That's good. Yeah. So if you're a sixth grader, if you're a sixth grader for the first time here tonight, just put your hand up quick. Let me see where you. Wow, look at you guys. Yes, come on. It's amazing, amazing. Great job. Well done. You're a sixth grader. <laughs> Dude, you're almost sixth grader. I've been here for two years. <laughs> So if you're here for the first time tonight, welcome. This is what we do every Wednesday night. Have lots of fun. We do some big games as well from time to time. Uh, there's a special night on the first Wednesday night of every month. There's a special time just for junior hires after the message to go into a whole uh, junior high connect kind of space uh, just for you guys as well. But you'll figure that out as we go through the weeks each week more and more. Um, and if you are a senior here tonight, and this is going to be your last night as a student here, let me put your hands up quick. Let me see who you are. Look at the seniors. Yeah, this is it. This is it. So uh, thanks, guys. So um, we'll do something for you guys at the end. Later on tonight, we'll do something for you guys. But just so you know, we're going to line you all down front here like this. Your job is to bend over like this, and we're going to kick you on the way out. Okay, that's okay. That's how we do it. No, it's not how we do it. Is that not what we do? I thought that's what we did. We just kicked you hard, and you kind of walked out the door. That's what worked. Okay. Um, so tonight's an interesting, a fun night. Um, it's middle of summer for us, so we're never sure what's going to happen in the middle of summer. Um, it has been really hot lately, in case you haven't noticed as well, been super hot. Uh, but it's middle of summer. We're just two weeks out from camp. Uh, some of you had incredible Jesus times at camp. Anybody have an incredible Jesus time at camp? Anybody? Yeah, great. Yeah. And now you're two weeks back into real life, and it's like, oh, I wish I was back at camp, right? <laughs> I wish I was back at camp. I, I, I so love those camp bathrooms. They were so clean and nice, weren't they? They were so amazing. Yeah, they were so great, those bathrooms, right? And I so love coming back into the cabin and, like, leaving a little snack there, and the whole party of ants in the cabin joined me with the party on the snack as well, right? All the ants come in the bed. It's great. It's fun. Okay. Uh, so those are all the camp moments. Jesus things are experience. Jesus' things are, are incredible at camp. Those encounter moments are really amazing. Uh, but now you guys are coming back into real life, and you're kind of cruising towards the end of summer, and in another four or five weeks you'll be starting school, and you're starting to figure out how do I live this crazy Jesus life? How do I now live this in a practical, real way and still keep the same kind of momentum in my spiritual life? And there's a reality to you emotionally. You don't want to, you don't want to base it off emotion because camp is always that high emotional space. We take everything out of your life. You focus on Jesus the whole week, and you see Jesus, and you encounter Jesus, and it's amazing, and you want to be there the whole time. It's like one of those mountaintop experience moments. Your emotion's high. It's great. And you come back home, and normal problems creep back in. Normal life situations come back in. Potentially normal or, or, or the same old sin patterns start creeping back in because you start sleeping back to the same old things again. As that starts happening, you start feeling the emotional side of like, oh, this isn't so much fun anymore. This Jesus thing, it doesn't feel as real as it did then. And we have to be careful that we don't let our emotions dictate what we're going to do in our spiritual lives, whether we're going to follow Jesus or not. And to that end, we want to do over the next seven weeks, we've got a seven-week series now. We're calling this seven-week series, we're calling it, here we go, what are we calling it? Binge. Binge. Yeah, there's somebody, oh, hold on, what's that? Hold on, are we supposed to use that word? Is that word okay, right? Is that word all right to use? <laughs> Obviously, this word has a lot of negative connotations to it, right? This word has a lot of bad things attached to it. When you binge something, it's usually not a great thing, right? Okay? But here, we're looking at this word because the reality is the word's not a bad thing in the sense of this, it's just a word. But what would, be hap what would happen if we took seven weeks and we just binged the Bible for seven weeks? If you start from Genesis all the way to Revelation, seven weeks. You'd have to read about 20 to 25 chapters a day. Anybody up for that? 20, yeah. whoo, that's a lot. Of, ah, okay. 
I looked at it today, I thought, I wonder how many chapters. It's 20 to 25 chapters every day. If you read 20 to 25 chapters starting tomorrow, in seven weeks' time when we finish the series, you'll have read the entire Bible. Okay, that's not that much, 20, 25 chapters. What else are you doing all day long, right? Playing video games? Come on. Okay. <laughs> right? Only, only an hour or so of your day, maybe, I don't know, maybe a couple hours, maybe the whole day. It depends how slow you read, all right? But what if we took seven weeks and we just threw ourselves into the scripture? And that's basically what we're doing the next seven weeks. And we're just starting at the very beginning of the Bible. We're cutting up in these massive big chunks. And we're saying, if we look at the whole Bible as a whole, what is the Bible as a whole saying to us? Because the reality is we get back to our normal life. One of, the, one of the big pieces to maintaining our spiritual walk with Jesus, maintaining our excitement for Jesus, maintaining our relationship with Jesus, one of the big pieces of it is the Bible. It is his word. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in John that it is Jesus is the Bible itself, and Jesus is the word. It's the word become flesh. In other words, the Bible became a human, and his name is Jesus. That's what the Bible tells us, okay? He lived it so well and so in so much reality for us that it's, it's exactly what his life was, was the Bible. So if you really want to get to know Jesus, really want to encounter Jesus more consistently, want to have Jesus more active in your life, then you have to be reading the Bible. It's not just a few songs we sing on Wednesday night and go, I feel lost, I feel lost. Okay? Okay? I mean, that's great, and we want to do more of that. We want to worship forever. I know you guys, but that's not the whole of our spiritual lives. Because if that's the whole of our spiritual lives, you're waiting till the next Wednesday or the next Sunday or the next moment we get to worship, the next moment the band's going, the next moment somebody launches out in a big song. Oh, yeah, this is the moment I'm waiting for. And that's not normal life. That's not how normal life is lived. Normal life is lived on dry, dusty, dirt roads like Jesus walking with his disciples, you know? There were boring times when they walked from this town to that town, just chatting, hanging out, hanging out with friends like some of you did last night all night long. <laughs> just hanging out together, being together. And part of reading the Bible is that, just hanging out with Jesus. So to hopefully kind of foster some of that, over the next seven weeks, we're going to do a, a dive into the scripture, seven weeks, the entire Bible. Okay, you're with us for seven weeks, all right? Seven weeks, the entire Bible, we're going to go through it. All you can read in seven weeks, I'll give you a little gold medal at the end, okay? Great. <laughs> so the first five books are what we're looking at tonight, okay? So each week, we're taking a big chunk, and we're looking at the, third, the, kind of the, the, the big chunks of scripture, but we're focusing on one piece that kind of encapsulates this big chunk. And so the first five books, starting in Genesis here, okay? Genesis is the very first book. It's all about the beginning of things, how life started, how the world started. It's a beautiful, beautiful book to read. And then the first civilizations, how they took place and what took place in the civilizations and how they very quickly turned away from God and very quickly had a bunch of crap in their life because of it, okay? And then we move on from Genesis to Exodus. It was the story about how they'd uh, 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 stopped following God. They got put into slavery because of the, the life they were living. They're now encapsulated in slavery in, in Egypt. And they've been uh, abused and tortured and beaten God's people had. And it was just horrific times for generations they've been there. Uh, it was not a lot of pleasant place at all. And then this book of Exodus is basically the story about how God freed them from this place of slavery. And it's a great picture of us being uh, enslaved by sin, captured by sin. We can't break these sin habits. We can't get out of this routine and rut of our life. We can't break these horrific things that keep happening over and over. We can't seem to get there. And it's how Jesus has set us free and freed us from those moments. That's the, kind of the, the picture of Exodus, but it's with a story around the children of Israel and how God freed them from Egypt. Okay? That's kind of the book of Exodus. Let me get into the book of Levit Leviticus. Leviticus comes to us. It's like for the beginnings. Now we're being freed because we messed up here, so now he freed us. And now the whole book of Leviticus is basically how do we have a healthy relationship with God and with each other? It's an incredibly boring book to read. 
Okay, right? It's like, okay, you need to do this on this day and do this on that day. And on that day, you do this and this. And if you do this, you got to do that. And if you do that, you got to do this. It's like a whole list of rules and regulations. It's a very long, tedious book. But the whole book is trying to, in some way, as messy as human life is and can be, is trying to set out a bunch of ways of how we can have healthy relationship with God and with each other. That if you just live out this whole book of Leviticus, that's a pretty big ass, right? <laughs> So the whole book of Leviticus, Exodus, I mean, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, then the book of Numbers. is exactly what it says, Numbers, okay? <laughs> Just about the numbers and the counting of things and, 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 and how big the nation was and what was going on with the nation at that time. And then we come to the book of Deuteronomy. Dudo meaning two. The, the, the actual Deuteronomy word means like the second law is almost what it means. So it's like in Leviticus, God says, here is, here's my law. Here's how you have a healthy relationship with me and with others right here. And then we go through this whole next passage, and we go through to Deuteronomy, and it's like, and here's really how we do it. So Deuteronomy is trying to take all the rules and regulations, including the Ten Commandments, and go, okay, here's all the stuff, and here, we understand it's weighty and heavy, but here's the beautiful part about being in relationship with me. That's really what Deuteronomy is trying to communicate. Again, it's how to have that healthy relationship with God and with each other. But we're going to focus on one particular set of verses because this one particular set of verses kind of grabs everything I just spoke about and puts it in Hebrew in two of the verses. It's called the most beautiful 16 words. That's what some of the Hebrew call it, okay? And that's for the particular two verses. We're going to look at four verses, one verse on either side of that. And this, these four verses kind of encapsulate everything I just spoke about. What's the point of all this? What's the point of these all five books? What's the point of everything we're trying to do with Jesus? What's the point of all the stuff we're trying to do with each other? What's the point of it all? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, says this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when they're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them in your forehead as reminders. Tie them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. So it's, take these commands, take these things I'm giving you, and I want you to really understand them. Talk about them when you're at your dinner at your table. Talk about when you're hanging out with your friends. Talk about them when you're at the movies. Talk about when you're at the school. Notice, talk about these things. The whole point of all these laws, all the regulations, even the Ten Commandments, the whole point is God's trying to tell us the key is love the Lord your God wholeheartedly. <laughs> now, the last few weeks, even this past Sunday, this is exactly what Brian was talking about on Sunday in terms of loving God wholeheartedly. And loving God wholeheartedly is not just an emotional thing. It includes our emotions, yes, but it's not just an emotional thing. There's a little bit of an indicator here. It says, love the God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. Now, it's not necessarily a process, okay? It's not saying, here's step one, your heart. Step two is your soul. Step three is your strength. It's not necessarily that's the way it's, okay? It's just a few words trying to say the bigness of what he's trying to ask us to do in terms of loving God wholeheartedly. Now, why is this important? Why is it important to love God wholeheartedly? Why is it important to love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, and your strength? Why is that so important? Well, I don't know about you, but I love the beach. Anybody like the beach? I wish I was at the beach right now, right? A couple weeks, I'm going to go to the beach, and I can't wait. The sand's going to be white. The water's going to be crystal blue. I'm not talking about Galveston, okay? <laughs> 
I can't wait. We love the beach. We love to snorkel and fish and free dive. We just love to be in the water, love being there. But you, like me, if you're at the beach sometimes and the waves are a little bit big and there's a little bit of a current and you're messing around, you're playing, you're playing, you're playing, you're hanging out, you're playing. And like 30 minutes later, you started there. And 30 minutes later, you look up and you're like, where's, where's all my people? There's nobody on the beach. I don't recognize any of those people. Oh, the way over there, right? The currents pulled you down. You got to wrestle back, wrestle back, wrestle back, wrestle back, wrestle back. Hey, okay, we're, we're good now. We're good. Okay, play, 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 play. Oh, dang, where's my people? Oh, the way over there again. How's that happen, right? Now, as a dad, as a dad, that's kind of my job when I go to the beach. Even when I'm out in the ocean with the boys, they're playing, they're playing, playing. I'm constantly going, hey, come back. Hey, come back. That's my job. You see me on the beach? I was like, you do this all the time. Just stand on the beach and do this. And like a water spigot. This way, this way, this way, this. Come back, come back. Why? Because in playing and engaging and having fun, the current just nudges you a little bit down. Just a little bit from where you're supposed to be. Just a little bit. You don't recognize it. You're playing. It's no big deal. No problem until you look up and you can't see what you saw before. And part of understanding why loving God so wholeheartedly and part of understanding why the scripture, why the Bible is so important is that aspect of going, hey, life happens. And if you're not setting some things in your life well, you're not putting some healthy routines in place, some healthy moments in place, we're going to talk about those later. If you're not putting that in place well, then little by little you look up and you're starting school this, this year and you just look up and you go, yeah, I had this moment at camp, but I can't seem to really find Jesus anywhere right now in my life. Because you had this moment at camp, it's like, yes, Jesus, I see you, it's amazing, it's incredible. And you come back from camp, and you're like, life happens, life happens, life happens, life happens, that girl, that guy comes by, woo-hoo, and you're going, where's, I don't see, where I, oh, it's way over there, man, it's so far. And part of that is just understanding of how to love God wholeheartedly. It's not just an emotional thing, it's little things you put into our life to keep us focused, Part of the scripture's responsibility is going, hey, hey, back this way, guys. Back this way. <laughs> you're playing. I get it. You're playing. Come back this way. Back over here. Back over here. <laughs> Come back this side. And it can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody. Love the Lord your God wholeheartedly, heart, soul, and strength. Interesting, Jesus actually picks this up. It's so important. It's so, so incredibly important. This actually is a prayer that the Hebrew people pray. It's called the Shema, the Great Shema. Okay? The Great Shema is what it's called. Yeah, the Great Shema. It's like it's a movie, isn't it? Okay? <laughs> Starting next Wednesday, the Great Shema. Uh, I expect some big shark to come out suddenly and eat that thing, right? The Great Shema is what this is called. And Jesus actually picks up on this in the New Testament. When they ask him, hey, what's the most important commandments? What's the most important thing? Everything. The Leviticus, all the laws, everything. What's the most important thing we should do? And interesting, Jesus says this. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, 31. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and your strength. We just read that, didn't we? He's actually quoting from Jewish culture and heritage and the scripture, the great Shema. He's saying, this is the most important thing. And of everything we do, all the rules, all the regulations, everything you've learned, this is the most important thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. No other commandment is greater than these. Again, just saying, hey, just come back, come back. The current's killing you away a bit. Just come back, come back. So what does it really mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart? The first thing we think about, when, you, when I say your heart, what's the first thing you think about? Love, exactly. Ah, I love my heart. Ah. 
That's not what this is talking about. <laughs> the Jewish, in our Western culture, we talk about heart. We think of emotion, right? But in Jewish culture, in Hebrew culture, heart was not emotion. Heart was so much more than that. It's like, it's like the, 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 the football player, and they're on, the, they're on the, the last yard line, and it's the last 10 seconds of the game. They got one play to run, right? They are exhausted. It's hot. It's sweaty. They've pounded this game the whole time. It's, they are broken. Both teams are broken. They are dog tired. And all they have to do is get that ball just one yard, maybe a half a yard across the line, and they win the game. That's all there is. And they give it everything they've got. They give it all of their heart, right? It's not just their emotion. It's they got everything. Their focus is here. Their energy is here. Their strength is here. Their, 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 their uh, emotions are here. Everything. They're not thinking about anything else at that point. They're not thinking about, dang, my big toe is so sore right now. <laughs> That's not what they think about in that moment, right? I, oh, I can't wait to get that cheeseburger later. Man. <laughs> That's not what they're thinking about. In that moment, everything they have, everything inside of them is focused on this moment to get that ball across the line. And that's what it's saying here, heart. That when you love, the God, love God with all your heart, it's talking about everything you have, your mind, your will, your emotions, your strength, your energy, everything is given to Jesus. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Sounds like a lot. Matter of fact, it says this. One, one thing I read earlier this week says this about your heart. It's the place of our spiritual life, our thoughts, our feelings, our motivations, Reason and understanding. Our decisions, our morals, and our will come from it. Everything comes from your heart. It's everything. It's that, it's that feeling you get inside when like, yes, I just got to do this. Okay? Let me tell you something. How many of you love something with all your heart? Like you read, like this is it. Like you give everything for it. Yeah, everybody loves something with all the heart, by the way. All of you should put your hands up. Because <laughs> everybody loves something with all the heart. Me, it's donuts and Oreos. Okay? <laughs> I just, just kind of put that out there. And street tacos are always a good one, okay? <laughs> but when you love something with all your heart, you do almost anything for it, don't you? You get out of your way. You suffer for it. You, 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 you discipline yourself to focus on that thing. If you're involved in any kind of sport and you really love that sport, you go so much further than the person who doesn't really love the sport, who's just playing it to have fun, who's just playing it to hang out, Right? Matter of fact, have you ever been on that team, you ever been on that sports team, and like you are there, you're like, you're, you're in killer mode, right? You're like, I'm here, I'm dominating, okay? Like you get that look on your face, your whole countenance changes, like you know, don't mess with you, you're going to kill somebody, okay? This is the moment, it's happening. Everything inside of you, like, this is it, this is the moment, okay? I've seen Raleigh Barr like that, okay? I've seen Raleigh like that. Like we're playing a game, we're hanging out, we're like, ah, we're laughing, and suddenly Raleigh's face goes, he gets that look, like, zing, like, oh, easy, buddy, easy, easy, okay? That's all I know, because suddenly everything is like, yeah, okay? Now, if you're on a sports team, and half the team is like, yeah, just hanging out, not really taking it seriously, and you're like, they're like, locked in, oh, I go for this thing. Doesn't that frustrate the heck out of you? It does, doesn't it? Like, why aren't you practicing? Why aren't you working hard? Why aren't you sacrificing like I'm sacrificing? We're going for this thing, come on. That's heart. That's heart. That's what it means to have a heart for something. Now, when we go to camp, in some sense, we help you get that, right? We take away the cell phone, number one distraction, okay? Hopefully, we take away all the other garbage and stuff out of your life, and we get you focused for one, for four to five days, we get you focused just on Jesus, just on living and pursuing Jesus. 
And what happens for most people, not everybody, but most people, what happens during that four or five days? If you truly just focus on Jesus and not get distracted by other stuff, what happens? This heart starts rising up, doesn't it? This passion, this courage, this bold. You want to go home? I'm, I'll sacrifice anything. I'm going to the mission field right now. I know I'm only 12 years old. It's okay. <laughs> I'm leaving home. I'm going to Aruba. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to tell the church exactly what we need to be doing because I should be leading now. I know that, right? <laughs> what ha- why? Why do you have those feelings, those thoughts? Those emotions? Why does that happen? Because suddenly everything is in this space. I'm locked onto Jesus. That's heart. Your mind, your will, your emotion, your strength, your energy, your morals. Some of you come away from camp going, I'm breaking up with you. Now I'm done with you because I'm, I'm Jesus and Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus only. Right? It's Jesus. And then you get back home and get your phone like, oh, he's so cute. Look at me. Look at me. What happened to all that loving for Jesus? What happened to all that wholehearted stuff? So I'm like, maybe next week I'll break up with it. It's okay. Just one more week. Your mind, will, and emotions are captured by Jesus. Your morals are captured by Jesus. And then we take our eyes off for a few moments, and life comes, and we find ourselves down the beach. Hey, hey, where? Okay, just, I just now did. This is good. That's what happens. Love him with your whole heart. That's not to say you can't be involved in sports. It's not to say that you can't have a boyfriend, girlfriend, although I wouldn't advise it to least you're 16 or 17, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Shoo! Exactly. If you're younger than that, stop it. Um, <laughs> you have a clue what you want right now. One day you want cookies, next day you want donuts. Um, but we come back in this space. Life starts happening. And suddenly the love whole heart thing starts to wane because we just take our eyes off a little bit. That's why it's so... Understand our, our encountering scripture, reading scripture, engaging the Bible is so critically important. Because no, there's no lights, there's no music, there's no people. It's just you and Jesus. And what you're doing is you're looking up on the beach going, where are you? Where are you? He's going, here, right here. We're good. We're good. We're good. Or maybe you're way over here and he's going, where are you? Where? Over there. Okay. Okay. Help me. Help. Give me strength. Okay. Yeah, I, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Yes, I'm back here again. Great. <laughs> I am breaking up with you now. <laughs> Boyfriend and girlfriend, like, what the heck? Who's this Jesus guy? What's going on? <laughs> Love him with your whole heart. Not only that, it goes on. It says, Love with your whole heart. It actually says this in Proverbs 4 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. <gasps> I just said that, didn't I? And the Bible actually says the same thing. Guard your heart. Guard for it determines the course of your life. And so when we come back, we stop guarding it. See how it happens at camps, we take all that stuff away, and you don't have to worry about guarding it. You're like, yeah, this is great. Then you get back home, and all this stuff comes back in, and if there's no guards in place, it all comes rushing back in. Guarding your heart. That's why, in about a few months' time, too much so, six, seven weeks, something like that, we start small groups back. Part of the process, part of the reason behind small groups. So you have a place where you can go and connect with some people your age and your gender, kind of connect there and go, yeah, here's what I'm struggling with right now. And so a community can, community can help keep you, can help guard your heart, help put things in place to guard your heart. If you're struggling with certain things on the digital devices, if you're struggling with looking at certain stuff, there's software to actually help you guard your heart. 
You put it on, and every time you look anything or say anything that's off color or not morally in the correct healthy space, somebody's getting a notification. <laughs> what would it be like right now if we took all your phones and we stuck everything you've been looking at typing up in here this last week? Ooh, Ooh girl. Ooh. I think we should do that. Let's go. Come. <laughs> So let me ask you this question. Do you have somebody in your life who will hold you accountable that can open your phone and look at it anytime? If you don't, you better get somebody in your life like that because this thing is dangerous for any of it, including me. Even Mark, old guys like Mark, it's dangerous for him. One last jab, Mark, one last one. Accountability helps guard our hearts. Guard our hearts. Why? Because the stuff comes in and keeps us from distracted. And our heart determines the course for our life. So he says, love God with all your heart. Why? So he determines the course for your life and all this other stuff. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. It's almost... It's, it's like one of these spaces where like the circles are beginning to overlap a bit, okay? He's trying to communicate. It's not a, it's not a one, two, three-step process. It's not like a clear squares. Everything's nice little categories. Kind of communicating. Here's all your heart and all your soul, making sure I understand, hey, even your mind, even the very intention of your will, your mind, love God with it. Love God with it. Where's your mind? Where's your thoughts? Where are they running to? Are they running to sad things, depressing things consistently? Because somewhere down the road, Stuff's come in, and we're way, way down the beach. And the only way down the beach, now we're being pulled out in the rip current, and we feel like we're drowning. Because your soul isn't there. And that's not like, oh, shame on you. That's saying, hey, you need to reach out for some help. Just like if you're being pulled out by the rip current of the ocean, you're being overwhelmed by all the stuff, and your thoughts are not in a healthy place. You don't go out in the ocean like that, and, and you're not in the middle of drowning going, yeah, I'm drowning. Help me. I'm good. I'm fine. Cool, just, yeah, just over here drowning. I'm good. What do people do when they drown? Ah! There's one time in South Africa, we're at a, a community pool. We're all swimming, hanging out. I, I mean, I've seen various people drown, or in the stage of drowning, right? Never seen anybody drown, but in the various stages of drowning. And this uh, one young guy, always he had never been to the pool before. He's probably 14, 15 years old from a rural part of South Africa. He'd come there with his friends, and he's just all this water. He's going to just jump in it. And so this guy runs and jumps into the pool, hits the pool, wherever they're playing. I got, I think one of the boys, when they were little, I had him in my arms like this. I hear, <laughs> and I just see splashing, <laughs> like going crazy. I thought, and that guy's being crazy. Look at him, he's just playing over there. Look at him, he's just playing over there. He was drowning. Like, full-on drowning. I'm like, eh, and I'm like this guy. the longer I look around, this guy's not, this guy's not playing. Ah! 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 <laughs> and then he went under and came out, help, help. Okay. Splashing, splashing, splashing. Ah! Help! Ah! Help! Ah! That's all you heard. His friends are on the side of the pool going. <laughs> There's like 30 other people in the pool going, is he drowning? I'm not sure what's going on there. I'm trying to get to him with I got one of the boys in my arm trying to swim. What am I going to do when I get there? I got a kid in my arm already. What am I going to do? Fortunately, another guy gets there in time, pulls him up, pulls him in the pool, gets him up on the side of the, 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 the pool there, gets him there, and he gets him and says, <laughs> he's laughing. I'm like, laughing? He almost died, you know? 
But in that moment, he thought he was dying. He wasn't quiet about it. If you're in that space where your soul is not in a healthy space, your soul is not locked in where Jesus is at this moment, you need to reach out and reach out loudly and boldly. You need to reach out and say, ah! <laughs> We're up here, we're smoking beer, like, ah! <laughs> I'm drowning! <laughs> you need to tell somebody. Tell somebody so we can, we can help. Come, come, let's get you, get you out of the water first, okay? And let's take, the, let's take the next step back to get in line with Jesus again. Get that soul oriented in the back right. It may be a journey. Go to walk down the beach a little way because you went way down the beach and way out in the ocean over there. It may take a little while, but we can get you back here. Jesus can give you the strength to get you back where you need to be. Your soul, your mind. But it's interesting, this last one, though, says with all your strength, the first two are kind of dealing with like the internal stuff, what's going on internally, and it affects your actions and behaviors. But this last one is specifically, what are you doing with your actions? It's almost as though God's saying, hey, you need to love me with everything you've got, your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, your body. Give me everything. Come after me hard. Let's do this thing together. Let's have a great life together. And do it in such a way with your strength, with your body, with your actions, so everybody sees how much you love me and love each other. Because that's how other people hear about his love and grace, isn't it? Do it in a way, do this in such a way where it's not condemning on people, it's not bringing shame and judgment on people. This way is a compelling thing. Say, look at Jesus. Look at who he is. Look at how amazing he is. Look at how much my life has changed because of him. Look at my relationships, how healthy they are because of him. And people over here go, dang, you're a good swimmer. <laughs> you got this beach thing worked out. You stay in the same spot. You, how do you do that? There's a God right up there. He keeps me focused. Not only does he keep me focused, but because of grace, he gives me the strength to stay right here and not get carried down the beach. He gives me the strength to stay right here and be, versus being washed out in the ocean. He gives me the strength to stay here. He empowers me to stay right in line with him. I don't have to do anything but just hang out here and love him and engage him. Love him with all your strength. Next few weeks, as you move towards school, what are your actions saying to those around you? Are they saying you just had a camp high? Or are they saying, actually, I'm changed. Jesus has changed me. I'm living this thing out. Not perfect, but I'm living this thing differently. Come stay focused. I'm loving heart and soul and strength. What's it saying to others around you? There are three things, three short things, and we wrapped up. I'm going to wrap up, okay? Three short things that I think will help us. Practical things are going to help you. Love God, heart, soul, and strength. Three simple things. First thing is time. You've got to put time in your schedules for Jesus. <laughs> do you put time in your schedule for your friends? And those of you that do have the boyfriend and girlfriend thing happen on, I know you're putting time in your schedule for them, aren't you? Mm-hmm. I know you do. So why don't you put time in your schedule for Jesus? If you really want to know him, you really want to learn who he is and understand who he is and fall deeply, madly, and passionately in love with him and line yourself up with him, spend time with him. Put it in your schedule. I have a routine in my week. Not even a daily, but I have a weekly routine that I go through, a pattern that I go through. There are certain afternoons that I just need space. It's me and Jesus' space. Usually I'm sitting on my computer, I'm reading stuff, and I'm listening to stuff, I'm watching stuff, sometimes I'm praying. It's just me and Jesus' time. Sometimes it's at my counter in, the, in, my, room, in my house, and the boys are over there hanging out, but I still, it's me and Jesus' time. <laughs> There's some spaces in your life where it just needs to be you and Jesus. 
some time in your schedule for him. Some of you, depends on how, how uh, organized some of you are. Some of you are like, need to put it actually in your schedule. Pull your phone out right now and go, all right, and this morning, at this time, I'm going to spend time, me and Jesus, reading the Word, reading the Bible. I spend time with Jesus, reading the Bible. Some of you disorganized people were like, okay, I think I'll read it on Wednesday sometime, maybe on Thursday sometime. <laughs> but make sure it's in your routine of life, time. Because if you're not doing that consistently, regularly spending time with Jesus and his word, if you're not doing that, I can promise you, I guarantee you, I know what is happening or is going to happen within a few short weeks. You're down the beach. You're down the beach. And we're all up here going, yeah, Jesus, what are you doing down there? Come over here and play with us. <laughs> Why don't we see you anymore on Wednesday nights? Oh, well, you know, stuff. Why don't we see you on Sundays? Oh, well, you know, stuff. Why don't we see you in a small group? Oh, stuff. Drifting down the beach. We see it happen consistently over and over again. Drifting, drifting, drifting. You can see it happening on your B-reels and Instagram. You can see it. You can see it happening. That's why I follow an Instagram and B-reel. <laughs> so I can see you. Because I know Jesus sees you already. I just want to be in the loop. Because <laughs> you can see what's happening. You see you start to drift. You can see what's going on. You can see what you're doing in some of those spaces. Some of you, some of you think, what was my B-roll this one? I don't remember. What was it? Because <laughs> you drift. Time. Next thing. Moments. Capture moments. Moments are camp. Camp's a moment. Having moments with Jesus. Incredible encounters with Jesus. Wednesday nights can be a moment, at least once a week. <laughs> Sundays can be a moment with Jesus. You can have a moment with Jesus and others at a coffee shop if you're open to it. But it's capturing moments with Jesus. If you have time in your schedule consistently, if you put consistently time in your schedule for Jesus, you will have moments with him. Moments are those mountaintop spaces, or those deep personal intimate spaces, or those moments where he speaks something to you pro, pro, so profound it radically changes your viewpoint on something. Those are incredible moments. With Jesus, but you have to put time in to get those moments. See, if you didn't go to camp with us, absolutely fine. You may went to the camp, no problem with that whatsoever. But if you didn't go to camp, then I guarantee you didn't have a moment like we had at camp because you weren't there. You didn't put the time in. That's just the nature of how it works, right? Relationships take time. I have moments with my wife because we schedule time to be together. Went out for a date for the first time in a couple, a little while the other night. Went on a date together. Woo! On a date. Ate some really good food, had some conversation. Then we walked out of the restaurant. We didn't were ready to go home yet because we're still on our date. So we sat down and had an ice cream because we could. <laughs> Just because we could. Our human relationships need that. Our people relationships. And Jesus knows we need that with him as well. We want those moments where we go, this is amazing. This is incredible. Moments. Last thing, milestones. Milestones. Having milestones with Jesus. Milestones are celebration times. Tonight we have a milestone. Sixth graders, you're here for the first time. Yeah! <laughs> it's a milestone. It's a good thing. I want to celebrate you. Another big milestone are seniors leaving tonight. That's a milestone. Now we may not like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We may not like it. We're probably going to cry. I ain't going to cry. I ain't going to do it. I ain't crying nobody. <laughs> I'm lying. I know I'm lying. Stop it. 
But seniors leaving is a moment. We want to celebrate them, champion them as they move out into adulthood. We want to blow wind in their sails. Go, remember this moment because we are behind you. We are following you. We're blowing wind in your sails. We want to see you stay in line with Jesus. We don't want to see you drifting down the beachfront somewhere. We want to see you keep pursuing next year and the year after and the year after. This is a moment. Celebration of moments. When someone's baptized, that's a milestone. That's, a huge, that's why we celebrate. That's why we cheer and clap. We make a big thing of it when people get baptized. Because it's a milestone in someone's life. This is big. Make sure you create milestones in your faith with Jesus. Capture those milestones at camp. That's why we tell stories over and over again. When someone gets healed, when someone gets saved, and something radical happens in the life with Jesus, we tell that story over and over again because we make it a milestone. Remember when? Remember God doing this. I know it's tough now, but remember God did that. Yes, I remember. Trust me, he'll be good. Just wait. It'll be okay. He's done it once. He'll do it again. We make those moments milestones to come back and remember and go, yes, I remember your goodness. I remember your faithfulness. I remember how true you are to me. I remember how gracious you are to me, how much you empower me and strengthen me. I remember Jesus. I'm going to stay in line with you. Love your heart, soul, and strength. What are we going to do in the next few weeks? Because that's essentially what Deuteronomy is telling us. The first five books are telling us all the stuff. It's all that's building out the relationship of Jesus, the relationship of God and his people, and it's pointing towards Jesus into the future. Matter of fact, and a, bit, a bit further on in Deuteronomy, it's kind of like, you know, so like why why do you love us so much? The people ask, why do you love us like this, God? And paraphrasing, of course, but God's kind of saying, they're kind of saying, well, do you, you love us? Uh, God's saying, I don't love you because uh, you're strong, because you're not that strong. You're pretty weak people. <laughs> That's what he says. And I don't love you because you're the biggest nation, because you're actually a very small nation. <laughs> I don't love you because of this. I don't love you because of it. Why I love you is because I love you. So God's saying, I love you just because I love you, just because I choose to love you. That's all he wants in this journey. All the first five books, all the stuff, all the rules, all the regulations are there simply saying, I just want to love you. I want you to have a healthy relationship with me. And I know you can't keep all those rules and regulations, so so Jesus is here. He's come to fulfill all that stuff so you can have a healthy relationship with me and with others. That's the point of it all. We're going to see over the weeks ahead the big pictures throughout the scripture. Understand that Jesus is always in the middle of it. Jesus is always there, always present. That's why Jesus quotes this as the number one commandment, the biggest thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. If you do that, everything else works out. It may be tough at times, it may be difficult at times, but everything else works out. We're going to have the seniors come on up. Come on up, seniors. Come on up. Stand right down front here, guys. Stand right down front. Okay. There you go. So we, we, uh, we have some pretty amazing seniors up here. Some pretty incredible people standing up here. But you know what? 
God doesn't love them because they're pretty incredible. He loved them because he chose to love them. He simply chose. And so our heart, that as this crew leaves out, that we champion them on, we blow wind in their sails, but not only that, we follow in their footsteps pursuing Jesus. And that they would continue to pursue Jesus. They would continue to love Jesus with heart, soul, and strength. Fortunately, some of them aren't leaving, leaving. Some of them are staying. Not staying here. They're staying at the church. <laughs> some of them are leaving, going off to college, various spaces and locations. But this is their last night here, part of us. They come back, they're part of us in a different way. No longer a student, but serving, engaging, leading. There may be some of these seniors that have had impact on your life in some way. Maybe things they've done, things they've said, maybe they don't even know that they've impacted your life. But they're standing here, and you see their face, and remind you that they're running, they're pursuing Jesus has stirred something in you to pursue Jesus more passionately. Sometime tonight, before we leave, I want you to find that person. I want you to tell them. Encourage them. Hey, thank you for doing this. Let them know how important they are and will continue to be in your life. Sometimes it's a bit scary standing up here and realize they're stepping out into the big, wide world. Some of them have plans. Some of them don't have plans. Some are like, ah, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> Some of them are very planned. I know exactly what I'm doing. i got the next 10 years planned out, okay? And that's okay. That's okay. Because as long as they pursue Jesus, follow him, things will work out. That's the key. You're going to see some of their faces in the next few weeks. Once they're gone for a few weeks, you're going to bring some of them back, and they're going to be around helping and doing things on Wednesday nights here and there, okay? You're going to still hear their voices around a little bit, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you view it, okay? But the one thing about this group of students, some of them have been here most of their life. But over the last couple years, it's students in this group of students right here that have pioneered a way, a new way of doing youth ministry here at One Life Church. That this group of students are the ones that stepped out in faith, trusting Jesus. This group of students are the ones who owned this space on Wednesday nights and said, this is ours. And they made it a space we want to be in. They pursued Jesus passionately. That everything you're experiencing here over the last few months, over the last couple years, Jesus has empowered this group of students to take the step. And they did it. They took the challenge of pursuing Jesus and loving him wholeheartedly, passionately. Some of you in this room have met Jesus for the first time because of students standing up here. And guess what? The work's not done. It's not done. Because as they step out of here, they have new challenges, new things that Jesus is calling them to, new areas, new locations, new states, some of them. But Jesus is always calling them to continue to pursue, continue to build his kingdom, continue to love others well, and continue to love him well. Here's what I want us to do. We ask you to stand up. Go ahead and stand up if you like, okay?
Is that the one going to do it? This is an incredible group of students standing here. Not perfect, nope. But amazing. Holding each other accountable. Pursuing Jesus, even when they got drifted away down the beach. They screamed out. That community, bring them back. Lock on to Jesus again. They're going to need that same thing as they go forward. They're going to need you still as friends. Just because they're maybe not here on Wednesday night doesn't mean you're not friends, okay? They're going to need you still, and you need them still in your life. I'll take a few moments in just a second. We're going to pray over them. We're going to send them off well. But as we do that, I want to encourage you. Maybe Jesus is sharing a scripture with you or something encouraging. Would you share that with them as you pray over them? Okay, so here's what I need you seniors to do. I need you to space out just a little bit. Okay, space all the way out. Space out a bit there. Give them a space as this crowd mobs you in just a moment. Okay. Now I realize there may be several that you want to try to get to. You can do that through the evening. Okay, it's okay. But in this moment, I want you to not run, but I want you to find one or two of these seniors and I want you to come and just start praying over them and encourage them. Okay. Okay.